When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> it would be a wolf, but I. On goes full. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Flash in the shot. What a goal! Hello and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast, part of the Audi Podcast Network. Joining me to talk about another spirited display, another positive first half performance and another defeat. I'm joined by Josh, Ed and Tom. Fellas, it doesn't half suck when you lose them at Saturday lunchtime. (laughs) (laughs) Weekend ruined, right? killer for your weekend isn't it? it it was weekend ruined and then i watched red bull finally lose a race today so it met up for it all i was like that's weekend unruined <laughs> I, I was gonna say i mean i i've got for like half an eye on the um on, on some of the american football which is about to end as well and it seems like my team's actually gonna win um and we're doing okay i think still in the rugby off the top of my head as well so hopefully it's only balls that have caused me heartache campaign this weekend um, but yeah, starting the game, starting the weekend at lunchtime uh, yesterday, uh, it all started so well, fellas. Um, you know, particularly after the international break, it can always be a bit hard for some teams to kind of get off to a good start. And I thought, lineup wise, first and foremost, it, it sort of picked itself. And I think O'Neill hinted at it pre match in terms of um, Bellegard getting a start and sort of. Um, hype and how well he was doing in training but um, Tom for yourself 4-3-3 initial reaction sort of seeing that lineup. I mean it's horses of course I guess to a degree but I'm guessing particularly sort of seeing Bellegarde come in um, was a promising sign I was quite happy with the lineup actually when I looked at it um, probably what I'd have picked I know we'd, there's always that debate about Kuna being a nine and again it didn't really uh, it didn't do that any favours yesterday, did he? On, uh, on those misses he had, but um, I was quite happy with the lineup. To be fair, I'm quite pleased Huang was uh, was starting. Um, I was really pleased with Bellegarde starting because I think we needed it. Because um, I think we needed a little bit more uh, sort of in the middle that he could drop into the middle if we needed to. And I thought the back four pretty much picked itself. So um, there's that debate about left back, isn't it? But I mean, ain't Norris bagged Salah pretty much every time I've watched him play against him. So that, I think that's sort of again. Was uh, was the decision the right decision on that one? So yeah, I was happy enough. Yeah, it sort of you say kind of felt like it somewhat picked itself. Particularly that back four seems to be the back four at the moment, and um, particularly with Tommy Doyle, I guess coming back from injury and sort of probably not still being one hundred percent match fit. Um, the other, I guess, notable start for me was seeing Frank start. He's had quite a uh, few impacts off the bench, hasn't he? Uh, Ed and sort of guess rewarding him with a start paid off as well. Yeah, I think he's proved to be the only one in the team that knows where the back of the net is. 
I think, on a consistent basis. And, um, yeah, on the right, slightly different to where we've seen him normally. But, um, yeah, I, he had to start, didn't he? The performances he's put in off the bench, the goals he's picked up, I think he, he has to be our starting right winger. Um, I have concerns with him going backwards. We've seen defensive lapses in the past with him and we don't need more tomato hate with him being left on his own in an <laughs> island. So we need, to, we need to make sure that we've got cover in front of him as well as um, on the left-hand side as well. But I think the back four picked itself and Huang, Huang's played himself into the team, hasn't he? Yeah, I think that's really important because he's someone who, for me, has got a lot of grief over fans over his Wolves tenure and, and deservedly so, don't, don't get me wrong. But slowly but surely, he's kind of, I guess, found his feet in this team and of, of all the indifference at the start of the season, he's like a, a quiet, shining light in what we're doing. But the thing that kind of stood out for me, I found it on who scored, was... Uh, we were really critical after the Crystal Palace game a few weeks back in terms of players feeling like they're out of position, everyone getting each other's way. And when you look at like the average position of that first eleven, it, it looks like a formation. It looks like a you know it's a very clear four-three-three, and you've got obviously Lamina sitting deep, um, Bellegarde slightly ahead of Gomez. But it, it, it's particularly in the first half, Josh. We it looked really sort of just natural. Everyone sort of knew where they were supposed to be. It felt very defined, didn't it? Like it, yeah. it was like there was a plan this week. Of you looked at Palace and it was like get to the final third. And it was what what are we going to do? And like O'Neill alluded to it in his af- interview after Palace, where he said we get to the final third and we struggle with some to the, you know the ideas. So it's nice that we've kind of played yesterday and. We get to the final third, and it was there was a plan. Although you know, it did feel a bit at times like it was Neto hero ball. You know, it stayed on Neto. And that was it did work for us, but it's not going to work like that every game. But I oh, know it's just not nice to see. I thought first half, obviously, like we're going to allude to it, we played really well, and the way we was picking the ball. But I also think you allude look what you said, Rich, as well is when you said about the early kickoff. I thought Liverpool, this is a chance you could get points off these. You know, they had all half the players away on international break and things like that, obviously weak at the back. I thought this is a chance for points here, you know, especially being at home. And then maybe maybe two points or at least a point. Yeah, I think it, it felt like O'Neill definitely kind of say you definitely got the game plan right in the first half. And I think Liverpool's track record last season was it something like six early kickoffs? No zero wins, wins. Yeah. and you know it, se- it seemed like they had a real game plan to get out get you know into them straight from the start and using using Neto who I think has very clearly now shown that he is a left winger rather than a right winger yeah, definitely yeah. I- I'd be fascinated to find out if there's anyone still thinks he should be playing on the right wing because th- that display was brutal in-, in the first half yesterday I I, I- Genuinely cannot almost remember the last time I saw him be that good. Good, yeah. Mm. It's been a while. He's got that really like uh, interesting thing where he really gets his head down and he gets his body in this sort of position, and then he's just he just bolts. And we haven't seen that for ages. I don't know if he's he's worried about you know picking up another injury or something like that, but he really shows some sort of tenacity there. And and Gomez was shit scared of him and couldn't get anywhere near him. Um, 
And I think he's, I mean that that has to be the case going forward. Yeah. He has to just stay on that left that left hand side. It's just um, it's just a given. I think at the start of the season he was playing on the right and Huang was on the left. So they've obviously moved Huang to accommodate Neto on on the left now because they just realised that that is where he has to play, and most of our good play came from him. And that was that's a that was a massive positive for me yesterday. If we can get Neto back anywhere near to that little purple patch he had in COVID, um, then and it's going to stand us in really good stead for the for the rest of the season. Fingers crossed. You looked comfortable, didn't you? That's what I yeah. felt. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. asking for the ball a lot more, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it just seemed to say he looked comfortable, looked confident in himself, and he said that there have been times in the last year that I wouldn't say shirks the challenge, but he he is not. He's almost felt like he's there but not present whereas yesterday say he was it was like he wanted to be the main man and that's what that's what we need someone who uh, has got that sort of drive to really kind of push us forward and you know a, a player let's be honest he was like you mentioned like liverpool had a very weakened back line you know they're playing a center half at right back effectively they're playing a an 18 year old 19 year old at center back that was a team who needed to actually be put under pressure, and he Trust, seemed to yeah. be the, uh, the the champion of that. Um, and it showed somewhat. And I think uh, interesting, you know, we mentioned Huang, and uh, he was brought in. I think the benefit of having Neto on the left on his I say more natural side gives us the width. But Huang being more of a centre forward, the, the goal was brilliant for me because don't get me wrong, you, you've got Neto's you know, ludicrously good dribbling skill. But then, because you've got Huang, who you say, yeah, his first touch ain't there. He's not great defensively or necessarily linking up play. But he's got a very good knack of getting in the right positions and mm. finding the right bit of space. So having someone who, you know, does what you need to from a right-sided or, you know, right-sided attacker, wing forward, whatever you call it, his job is when Neto gets the ball, it's just to come inside and it worked perfectly for the goal. Um, I mean, I was going to say definitely our best goal of the season so far, but it's not really. Slim pickings, it? was nice to score one with our feet, though, for once. <laughs> not a shoulder. Yes. Not a shoulder. Yeah. No shoulders, no heads. It wasn't even a consolation. It wasn't even a stat padder. It was nice if actually it... hit the back, hit the back of the net. Yeah, it was like trickled yeah. over the line, so it oh, almost waved yeah, a little bit. So even when it's a good goal, it's just like <laughs> a little key roller over the over the bloody line. You took the words out, right? Then of course the keeper had to save. Could just let it go in. Could he yeah. hit the back of the net? Yeah. <laughs> everyone was everyone was like, has it gone in? Has it crossed the line? <laughs> I was gonna say you can. It feels very football cliches, doesn't it? But you know, like accommodate what I said. And Wang hits the back of the net with that goal. It's like did he though? <laughs> and, um, but again, f- throughout first half, it wasn't just yet Neto, but the whole tempo of the team. And you know, I could talk about happily talk about the fullbacks, and Aiton always a great one because, Thomas, you said, I don't ever think I've seen him play badly against Salah. I, I don't know what it is, but he just has him in his. He has his number. Yeah, every time. I mean, look, even that. I remember that game against Liverpool the last time. I mean, went off the cramp then as well. Was it for the last mm. yeah. Origi, Origi scores. You know, he was only off the pitch for you know sort of five minutes, and then Salah sort of bagged. You know, sort of got, I think I think he assisted Origi then. I think. Yeah. Um, 
and then again it was sort of like almost carbon copy you know uh yes um yesterday unfortunately but he's yeah it's, it's brilliant he didn't have much influence going forward but I, don't, I mean if you're keeping a guy like Salah quiet you've got to take that you know he, he was um he was fantastic and, and to be fair when he did get forward he links up the player quite well as well mm. um him and Neto seem to have a little bit going on on that side um so yeah I've got absolutely no I mean other than his fitness I've got no complaints but he's um he's the, one of the fittest players I think we've got unfortunately yeah I was gonna say he seems to uh the man constantly played with cramp and hamstrings, which I can relate to and appreciate, but... It's like 60 minutes, though. Oh, yeah. 60 minutes and you haven't played for two weeks. It's a bit more, like, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not, it's not but, right, is it? I was thinking about when like, I saw a clip. I think he must have been when he was coming off injured. Because um, he's grown his hair out a bit. He's got a bit of a straggly beard. He somewhat doesn't look like a footballer for me at the moment. <laughs> he does look like he's just rocked up down the park. Just like, yeah, I'll give you an hour. Got an hour in the yeah. um, which so, somewhat isn't necessarily great, but um, t- two players I think, particularly in the first half, and um, the man with multiple pronunciations, Jean Rickner Bellegarde. Um, I'm thrown out there now, guys. I think he's got potential to be a big cult hero. Mm. I know you shouldn't fall in love after. You shouldn't fall in love after about 70 minutes. I appreciate it. But... I've done that too many times to get too excited. Yeah. <laughs> oh. but he, positive he, though, wasn't it? It was yeah. It was definitely positive. That touch from it, the sky and he chested it down. Yeah, I was like, that was just, wow. oh, yeah. was yeah, That was outrageous, that was. I was like, wow. <laughs> you might actually be quite good here. <laughs> Matt, yeah. Matt Hobbs has done it again. <laughs> yeah. You just see Matt Hobbs just in the, just, uh, in the box just... You're welcome, guys. You're welcome. But you're right. Like that, I mean, that touch kind of exemplified it for me because you know what's the of you know good players find space, and like he should have no right to be able to just chest the ball down in the middle of the park after you know clearance. But that's what that's what good players do against wolves, and he was doing it for us. Does that make sense? We, yeah. we need players who can beat men. I'm like, yeah. he, he, after we lost Nunes, we needed a replacement, someone who could do that. And it's just, it's great. So someone who literally just glides past players like they're not mm. even there. Um, it's, it, 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 I think it's going to be critical um, on how we play. We saw how, how it was against United. Um, and we did the same against Liverpool in the first half. We just went through their midfield every single time. Um, high press, high pressure, you know, and players who can move with the ball at their feet. So I think. Um, again, as the debut goes, I mean, okay, blew himself out um, like a lot of them did, but he was he was superb. It's great. I mean, Nunes had a handful of good games for us, and he's already had you know he's had one yeah. his debut, yeah. so you can't you can't really complain can't complain at that. No, that's sort of my thing, and you know, but there are going to be comparisons, I guess, throughout um, Bellegarde's time at Wolves. Isn't there about that comparison to Nunes? But you can see, you can literally see why they've identified him as a player that they want. And yeah, I, I genuinely struggle to think of like games where I go, you know what, Nunes was great. Mm-hmm. Where, uh, you know, he had a really good game and influenced the game. Whereas you could see Bellegarde influence it a lot more, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, re- he really fitted, didn't he, with. Um, Lamina and Gomez in the middle, didn't he? Because he yeah. he wanted the ball, but everything 
everything they do is sideways and back and conservative and he was the exact opposite of that every touch he took was to go forward was to drive was to was to carry the ball and he's the right age for the players we need to be signing right now we can't take another punt on a on a youngster and we can't keep signing dawson's because they're just not gonna they're not gonna balance out that's not how it works you've signed someone that that's had you know i know it's the french league but it's it's a very physical league the french league it might not be the best quality but the league itself is physical and it's the style of play is quite similar to english football in terms of you have teams that will come and have a go i know psg walk it and you can tell that he's played in a league that is competitive i think that was the difference mm -hmm. he wasn't he's not raw is he he's almost yeah. at his finished article and yeah. that's what we need right now we, we haven't got time for bedding in players we don't yeah. have time for that. so we need someone to come in and go give me give me the ball and let me do something with it we really need that especially in the midfield yeah completely agree yeah so it looks okay. like he can play in the 10 as well and mm. we haven't had a player mm. like that for ages that potential in the 10 was an absolute myth we haven't had a, a number 10 yeah for, 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 i can't remember the last time we had um, yeah i was gonna so say sort of looking at your heat positions tom like you're right it's just like a little bit further forward but you can see him like owning that big pocket of space and the amount of times he'd just drift he'd pick it up on left wing and he'd you know, just drag it a little bit further forward, or you see him just pop on the right and support his tomato. Just how he operates almost on that the line between the middle and final third. He's got so much potential there. Yeah. I think Gully said it as well on Twitter yesterday. He's going to be crucial against the teams. Like against Luton, he's probably, you can see it being the sort of game where he makes the difference for us. You know, it's just same little things. It's also, I found, I already trust Bellegarde in the middle more than I did Nunes ever. You know, I think yeah. with Nunes, it was like, put him in the middle. It was like, you know, what, what what's going to go wrong? Whereas Belagara has thought, he look, and he can put in a bit of work at the back. He's not afraid to chase around and stuff and that and put in the dirty work as well. So, I mean, considering we sold Nunes for however much and got Belagara for 15, you can't you can't complain to that, even if you don't play well every week. It's a, another option in midfield that we're crying out for. Yeah, completely agree. I think it's, it's it on, on the face of it, you're right, it seems like it's a perfect replacement. We've got someone who's that bit more tried and tested, as you said, Ed, that he's not coming in at 20. In fact, if he's like a little bit older, I think it definitely shows. And I love Jao Gomez, and I thought, yeah, yesterday, it, he was fantastic in the tackle, but he does still sometimes show those bits of naivety and those little lapses in concentration. It's not big lapses, all the time but it's just that it can be that difference at this level and you know the fact that we, we've we've been a bit more astute than you know spunking 25 million pounds on a portuguese it's one of them into if that was brighton probably the media be wanking themselves silly going oh yeah. that's really good. they've done it again you get these tacticals <laughs> on twitter going can't believe they've done it again look at this brighton but because it's little old wolves and stuff like that it's like they, you know they're not going to bat an oily daddy and it's just like you know, it's a bit unfair, really. Hmm. Yeah, completely, completely agree. And I say, sort of, particularly in the first half, that midfield of Lamina Gomez, Bellegarde just dominated it. And you know, you, you hear the other things about you know why are Liverpool not doing well? Why aren't Liverpool doing? It? It's like because we're doing really well. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah, just you know we're sticking everyone behind the ball. We. Yeah. yeah. 
the match of the day coverage was criminal, I found. Yeah. I'm not even sure we even our goal was even shown when they were talking about the game <laughs> afterwards. And we scored first and we dominated. The whole thing was from the second half, Liverpool did so much better. It is it's hard not to think, oh, this is this is proper big team bias, isn't it? Because we our goal was I genuinely don't think it was shown on match of the day when they were talking about <laughs> it afterwards. And that yeah. is nuts to not at least go. Here's the goal they scored, and then here's how Liverpool changed it up in the second half. They didn't even give us that. No, and it's you know I think depending on, I guess who you support, I guess how you frame the com it's it's how you frame frame the conversation. You know, particularly the the media outlets. It was like, you know, what Liverpool did to you know change the game. Why were Liverpool playing so badly? Whereas you know, fortunately for ourselves, you know we're you know we're what Wolves did well. But I feel like that that's a big conversation, I think, kind of moving forward because it all went a bit uh, Sven Goran Eriksson in the early 2000s. First half good, second half not so good. Um, because once again, after half time, we just seemed like a different animal. And we just, minute by minute, we just kept going further and further and further back. You knew what was coming. You knew, yeah. what, you knew what was going First goal. You've seen it so many times. And it was, I said to my mate, it's like, you go one, you're one nil up. We sit deep. We've not gone far at the back. We've not changed it. Liverpool score one goal, which was always going to happen. Then it's so hard for the players to pick themselves up and go back and go into like it was in the first half. There was, that was always going to happen. And it was so criminal. It was, you probably should have, and not, you're going to come on to this with the subs, but I think you bought the wrong striker on as well. 100%. Yeah. I think, uh, whether it's the difference of levels between managers or what, but you know, you had Klopp who made subs at half time, and then he made another set of subs five minutes afterwards or something. Yeah. And it, it just felt like, you know, Klopp shifted the game, and don't get me wrong, Rockets were probably a arses in the away changing rooms but that the tactical changes we just could not cope with them and nor could we impact what we were doing on those changes anyway um and it felt just as soon as that first goal went in and uh, you know i'll hold my you know liverpool deserved that equalizer over that sort of 60 minute spell okay that's fair enough but then that double substitution that Gary O'Neill made was the real turning point for me. As you say, like I think, uh, I, I agree. I think the wrong striker came on, and then I felt bringing Matt Doherty on as well just didn't really work for me either. I don't quite know what he was brought in to do or what he did when he came on personally. He was brought in to stop Robertson, wasn't he? That's and what he just that's to give some aid of support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, they're coming off at half time, and they're coming off at half time, and I was, I was like annoyed. It's weird, like we played so well, and I was annoyed. I said, you know, mm. I said to my dad, I said, well, I guarantee we will regret that because we should have been two, maybe three up. I mean, we've um, not even talked about Kuna's chance. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. So I don't want to. I mean, it speaks for itself, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Don't have to do too much of that. But it wasn't just that, was there? There was loads of other chances, um, or like you know, those like half chances. Um, and yeah, for me, we were much better in that half than we were when we played Liverpool and we beat them 3-0 in the first half 
last time. Mm. You know, I know we were 2 0 up at yeah. half time, but I think we actually played better yesterday um, in that 45. And there was absolutely no way Liverpool were, were not going to react at half time. As much as I don't like Klopp, he, he's a world class manager, and world class managers can change things up, especially with five subs now. Um, yeah, they can put it right. They can put it right, yeah. and they, they, they they've got enough quality. I mean, you had you know Diaz and um, coming straight off the bench. They've got enough quality on the bench now that they can just switch it up and play another forty five. And and we're not a ninety minute team, unfortunately. And and we have to be a ninety minute team to win games, whereas Liverpool can be a forty five minute team and win games. And that's the that's difference. Hard. I think the second half performance was a reaction from the players, not the manager. I think we dug our trenches because we didn't have we they clearly weren't expecting the changes that happened, and then there wasn't anything from the sidelines to fix it because they went they dug their trenches twenty yards out before the double substitutions before anything else mm-hmm. happened. We went back, and there's a picture of Gary O'Neill about five minutes into the second half on Sky or TNT, whichever it was on. And he looked like he didn't know what to do. And I'm not trying to be cod psychologist and definitely yeah. not Gary. Underwood, but like there was, that's the impression he was giving me. And if the players look over and they don't know exactly how we're going to counteract this tactically, they're going to revert to type, aren't they? They're going to think this is Liverpool. They won the league a few years ago. They've got Salah, Robertson, bloody hell, Trent's not even playing. We need to dig deep now. We need to go deeper. And I think it was happening before before we made these strange substitutions that we're going to talk about. I think there was a reaction from the players rather than a reaction from the manager yesterday that caused us to go that defensive that quickly. Who's, yeah. Yeah, but whose job is that to to dictate that from the pitch or to get you higher up the pitch yeah. or, or to give, you know, you, you, once I cross that line, there's got to be some form mm-hmm. of leadership. Leadership. I don't like. I'm, I'm a massive fan of having a dig at, at Kilmer's captaincy abilities, but that probably has got to come from the captain, or at least yeah. you know this leadership group that we hear of. Mm. You know, so 100%. much. Um, 100%. So there's got to be a little bit of that from from the pitch, and yeah, I agree. It was it was probably it was lacking yesterday, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think uh, we'll, we'll kind of, I It's interesting because I've got a little segment while I've kind of hit, gauge all your thoughts on which kind of. I guess relates to a lot of that game management to a degree because it just felt like we just didn't have any in the second half. And I think, you know, but they obviously made, you know, they made their subs at the same time they scored effectively because I think Gapo on TV, they were sort of saying, oh, yep, and he's about to come off. And then he scored. And then, he, you know, they, Interestingly, I guess for me, they still kind of went ahead and was like, "No, he's still coming off. It doesn't matter if he's just scored. He's still, you know, he, he not... was pretty. It was pretty awful. He, he was yeah. awful. It was, it was, it was the was, obvious. Yeah. But yeah. you know, how many times have you seen it when, um, you know, particularly if centre forward scored, they keep mm-hmm. him on even though they plan on taking him off. But you know, the, the fact that Klopp was able to sort of sense the changing tides, and he, you know, whether it was one-one or one-nil. They were, he had that they had that mentality and that belief that no, we still need to keep keep pushing balls and you know bringing on uh, Darwin Nunes and Harvey Elliott you know in a slightly deeper position than Diogo Jota is gonna bring that I guess and you mentioned Ben you know our, our reactive subs to it um, was you know Matt Doherty coming on for Wanky Chan and Fabio Silva coming on for Kuna and. Yeah, Josh, I I I can see you. Uh... 
I just look. I I understand. Um, you know, you know, like just going back a little bit. You're not going to have the ball for ninety minutes against Liverpool. Um, they're too good for the. They're far too good for that. You're like we're not. We're not, they're just going to keep the ball and things like that. And you're going to have to suffer to beat them. But you bring on subs and like. I mean, I think it speaks volumes that Klopp was losing at half time. Checks off McAllister. The midfield two then with Shabazzlo is like attacking midfielder and Jones who's like a he's not a defensive midfielder either. And we couldn't even get out to him once, really. Did you know? I think we had did we have one shot in the second half, one or two shots in the second mm. half, that's it. I mean, like he bought on Fabio and I don't want to dig it in, but I can't stop I gotta I can't pretend anymore that it's going great. It's not, you know, we it's he's not for me a proper striker. He's like Cooney in the mould of he's not a striker, he's a number ten. You know, he's not got the hold up, he's not got the first touch thing. You know, I think I could have defended against him yesterday and I'll play goals on a Friday. You know, I, I'm crap. I, I just, I find it really hard. And you look at that young lad, the big the 18 year old, if you put our three strikers, you know, before the game and said, pick which one do you not want to defend against? He'd have said Sasha. And yet he's the only striker that didn't play. You know, and I just, so I just wonder sometimes, like, what, what's running. I, I think as has O'Neill been told you've got to play Silver like as part of him coming in because we had two weeks of searching for a manager uh, couldn't find no one better than O'Neill and then we've settled on playing attacking football which he's not known for and then he's playing Fabio Silva when he's clearly when what Sasha done wrong to not get played and I just, I'm starting to wonder these things like what what's really going on behind the scenes? Is it is it being dictated to him rather than him doing the managing? He's horses for courses a bit, I think. Like Fa- Fabio, like, I'm gonna beat around the bush. He's awful with his back to goal. Yeah, he, mm. he, he's he bounces Terrible. off him. He's he's got his touch. like Wang's first touch with his back to goal. He's got no strength to hold it up. Put him at the face in the goal. He's a completely different player. You could argue that if Fabio had been up front first half, he probably had a goal or two. But yeah. he was definitely a hundred percent not the striker to to bring to on, have on no to one. bring on at all. He he, he 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 was. I mean, he was awful. It's not the reason why we lost. I'm not. I'm not. Oh no. Any, I'm, and I'm, I'm not saying that we were already on, yeah on a losing streak from that. But and I'm 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 still I'm still hoping it's going to come good for him and I'll I'll still back him hundred percent. But it, it's there's games for Fabio and there's games that he shouldn't be playing. And yesterday was hundred percent one of those. It's just look, play. Everton. He didn't do a fat lot. Didn't get into the centre half, playing off Cunha. He just didn't get that Branthwaite, like one of his first games for Everton, lost the jewels in the first 10. It's like, you know what's happening. Palace, again, two big centre halves. And mm. I know Gay and Anderson are really good centre halves. But again, do, he doesn't don't do a fat lot for me. And it's like, at what point are we just going to go right, stick Sasha in the middle? I know it's crap, football, or whatever. And you're just going to go stick it in the box or stick it long because that's what it feels like we're playing to at the minute. You know, I'd rather have Sasha on and do something different than play Fabio. And it feels like it's like you're playing with almost 10 men, I think, because you're carrying him in Cunha. You know, you're carrying two players there and we ain't got that luxury. With a substitute... Go on, go on, Rich. Go on. I was going to say, sorry, I was going to say for me, Sasha was the obvious one to bring on because he gets you up the pitch. Yeah. That's what I see. I, di- I didn't understand. So with substitutions, I was trying to think, what's the point of it? So mm. I got the Doherty one. I ne- didn't necessarily agree, but I got the Doherty one. Robertson was pushing up more. They had more space. Two right-sided defenders make sense. I didn't know, other than the miss, 
Cunha hadn't done much wrong. He wasn't tired. He wasn't blowing. I didn't see the point of the substitution at that time. And Cunha, for me, could have moved back to where Bellegarde was when he was going to blow himself out like he did and play that more attacking midfielder role. And we could have brought Sasha on and got people in and around him. I, what was the point? When Gary O'Neill made that substitution, what was he expecting Fabio to do? All he's going to do is to hide into nothing at that point. What is he What is he going to be able to do? He's a, If anything, he's a finisher, isn't he? He's not a back to goal. He's not going to hold it up like Tom said. And we weren't creating chances when we brought him on. So what is the point of bringing him on? It's, I didn't get the, I don't know what the purpose of that substitution was. It almost continued just dragging us further. We just went down the pit. Yeah, yeah, we just kind yeah. of continued it. And that's my thing. If at least you've got Sasa, is at least going to occupy your centre halves. And it, it, look, We'll talk about the Robertson goal and I, I guess who's the most accountable. But at least if you've got somebody up there who admittedly is, you know, six foot six or whatever he is, there's an opportunity, I say, for him to hold it up long enough to support him. If you bring on this, bring on Silver's not going to do that. He's not good enough, you say, to play that bit deeper to then turn on it and go. It, it just felt like the tactic was going to be, oh, what we'll do is hopefully we'll win it, I say, in the middle of the park in our own half. And what we'll do is we'll try and break out 70 yards of the pitch when we're already knackered. Yeah. And when you've already had 45 minutes of Neto doing it, it was blowing. Kuna had a great one in the second half as well, um, where, you know, he kind of dragged us all the way at the pitch and then, Actually, I was a bit frustrated with Frank because I think he made a wrong run. He was looking for a cutback rather than kind of hitting a space at the far post where he actually scored earlier. Um, but it, yeah, it, it it just felt like a massive warning sign. And hindsight is everything. But if I was Gary O'Neill in that situation, I'd have probably brought on Toto Gomez and gone to a back three and got a gone wing. You know, and it, if you were doing that. that. Yeah, I thought that's yeah, what he was going to play. I thought he was going to play. Yeah, hundred percent. Because they did play against Blackpool. Blackpool, exactly. Yeah. I thought he was doing that. I said, I said to my dad, I said, I think he's going to do because Fabio was coming on. So I, I yeah. thought Kuna was going to stay on, and they were going to play as a, like, a, like a yeah. sort of a, a nine and a ten, and then they were going to go to three. You know, he's going to go to five yeah. at the back, which I wouldn't. I, I'd, I'd have been well up for to be fair, because that would have made more sense. Hundred yeah. percent. Well, Liverpool were leaving, leaving. They were playing like four, literally four across the front line, weren't they? So yeah, that, they went to you know, four, two, four, didn't they? Exactly. So yeah, that's, that's, that's that's the counteraction. You know, that's how you mm. counteract that. And that's what I thought he was doing. But yeah, it was some weird. Bizarre. It, it, it was really, and I think sort of for me, I said I wasn't trying to necessarily dig out Doherty in particular, but he was playing a position that ain't his. You know, that that did, just didn't work because it felt like we kind of had two right backs on the pitch, and neither one quite knew what either one was supposed to be doing and i think that's where i got so you know i i, I always find the sort of the hate maps positional stuff really interesting because you look at bounce on the first half i'd be fascinated to see it of how it kind of worked fell out second half particularly after those subs came on and yeah it, it kind of just spelt warning signs even further um you know those subs came our, our subs came in i think sort of 67th minute and then about 13 minutes later the I guess the deciding goal, the Andy Robertson goal, uh, happened. And I think Twitter and Molyneux is a buzz with who should be the most to blame. And 
I, I don't like using it, and I think um, how they how did I I phrase it slightly nicer and slightly more like I've gone on a leadership course. But it's who's most accountable for all these goals? Um, because I think it's I think if we're being honest, it's a bit of everyone, isn't it? Yeah. And I think depending on where you're about, I know. Um, yeah, I, I guess if we start at the back, and I guess what triggered it all is Jose Sarr, who had his mad moment of the game. And as, as sort of our, our man Dan said on Twitter, um, what did Jose uh, Sarr do wrong yesterday bar uh, launch a poor, um, poorly executed counter-attack uh, demanded by our crowd, which was followed by our entire team letting their left-back run off and score. And I think that's a really interesting place to start because Danny's right, but he's also missing a bit of a big factor in it for me. In the that was the catalyst, and we've already talked like that was goal was what 80th minute, 81st. So we spent 35 minutes just giving up possession, and it just felt like it felt hero ball when we actually just needed to calm the fuck down. And yeah, have, should have held it, should have yeah. held it. And again, so, it's the fans, though, it's the fans. It's yeah, oh, we want to keep going at them. It's just, yeah. Oh. Just one of the things into the other thing for well is me is just getting to the goal. Like, if that was us, say next weekend, you watch the Luton keeper kicks that ball out, Robertson, say eight new in that position, he would eight no, is not yeah. running 50 yards into the ball. <laughs> he's getting that ball and he's going to try and float it back into the mixer. And it, it's the thing is, all Robertson's done, his chances are on there. All he's done is gone on, we're going to knock it out, oh. and just run and create chaos. And it worked, and it's like, like you say, it's poor from Saar, but fans demanded it like we always do because we just, well, I don't know what we're trying to do. And then you've got Gomez lets him off and Kilman doesn't come across and whatever and stuff like that. But like I say, it, we wouldn't score that goal. We'd never score that goal because none of our players would ever have the endeavour to run into the box like that. So my, my, my take on this goal might be controversial, but it is a pass and a half from Mohamed Salah. That pass yeah. is not a pass. It's not a pass that 99% of footballers can make and probably 99% of them don't even think about it. That pass cuts out so many players that sometimes you just have to go, mistake there, mistake there, yeah, okay, but what a that is a through ball and a half. And sometimes the world-class players do that. Mm. We can, that Against Luton, that pass won't be put through. Against, what, four... Only three or four teams have players that have that vision. That is a ball and a half that he puts through there. And there are mistakes, but a lot of those wouldn't even be talked about because that pass would have just gone and been intercepted because it wouldn't have been that perfect. That ball is a world-class through ball that I think sometimes you just need to go, what else? We have made mistakes, but what can you do against a ball like that? It's a fair comment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We won't say, but but the midfield should have done better, right? Oh yeah, no, there's mistakes. There's mistakes <laughs> yeah, everywhere. no, you are right. You are right. There's, there's, there's mistakes, but sometimes I, for me, I just think Sars made a mistake. He's tried to launch it to Neto, who's having the game of well, had the first half of his life, first half he's had since before, like COVID, like Tom said earlier, and it's hit a player, and then there are chances for us to pull it up, but I think that through ball is just ridiculous. Yeah. I did see a um, an interesting uh, tweet about Mo Salah. And I got, it, it was very similar. I, I cannot remember the guy's name. Grizz Khan, I want to say. He's a Liverpool 
um, blog um, blogger, and you know, he sort of said, they say, yeah, very few players in the world can do that. He's the most underrated right winger in the Premier League history. Right? Who on earth is underrated, Mo Salah? <laughs> Right out the apparently. Yeah. <laughs> all of those people, all of those people on the screen that you just brought up, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, um, I, let, let, let's talk about it because, all right, yeah, we conceded another one after this. It was a, it went down as a, a Hugo Bueno own goal in the end, and again, it just, it, it, it felt like it was all kind of unraveling for Wolves at that point, and you know, it, 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 at one point I thought. This could be four years somehow. Um, but again, we're shipping goals. Um, and I don't quite know who who takes a brunt of it. I know that there's a lot of talk about Kilman um at the moment and being being a captain and a leader. And personally, I'm not I don't buy into a lot of that because I feel like a lot of people can be leaders in that pitch. And, you know, particularly if he's got someone like Craig Dawson next to him as well. And they can work in tandem. But I know for, for me, I think, to be honest, that Robinson goal kind of exemplified it for me. I, I do think with that defensive unit is being sold sometimes a little bit short by the midfield. And if you look at the amount of goals where they are coming through, and all right, I. I feel I feel shitty for saying it because Lamina was fantastic first off. Jao Gomez was like a fucking terrier in the tackle. I love him to bits. But there are lots of moments when you know when you think of some of the goals, you know, let's say against Brighton, where midfielders are getting past us and scoring goals. And that, no one can tell me that's all on, you know, the centre halves. And it's all on, you know, Jose Sar having an occasional mad moment. I do think that something's not quite right in giving us giving those defenders the right protection a lot of the time there's something not stacking up there's I think a little bit is to do with fitness as well like I think because mm. if, if you look at the stats as well like look Man United we're ending 0-0 at half time Brighton 1-0 down Everton 0-0 Palace 0-0 and then we've gone in 1-0 up at the weekend tight games you know could go either way yet we've in three of the five games we've conceded three or more like what? What is is he, what is going on? You know, are we capitulating that much in the second half, or is it? I think it's got to be fitness. You know, because and O'Neill said when he came in, it was like players ain't quite fit enough here. And I think because of we're like busting our balls in the first half, like we did yesterday, pressing all over the pitch, and then getting to seventy minutes and we're just battered. Keep a lot of key players just were just blown out, weren't they? So Bellegarde. Mm-hmm. Neto, Neto had a quiet second half. I mean, they all did, don't get me wrong, but obviously, I know it went off with Cramp. Bellegarde lost his legs. Huang definitely lost his legs. I think, although Kuna didn't lose his legs, I didn't, didn't he only come back from Brazil a couple of days ago or yeah. something like that? Yeah. I think that might be one of the reasons. Yeah. Um, but then again, he, like you say, playing maybe until he's until he's gone. But um, yeah, that they that they all they all lost their legs and they so didn't help. But fitness has been an issue for us for years. And you can't blame O'Neill for that. He's only been here six weeks. Um, the other thing if... as well, I don't know, like, sorry, Tom, just to interrupt there. Like, I think with Lopetegui, because when he came in, it was about coming in, tight at the back, stick, like, we go one nil up and stick men behind the ball. And, like, it was down to, like, Dawson and Kilman just to nod the ball out. It sounds a bit disrespectful. It's basic defending. It's why the defenders in the first place. All they've got to do is nod the ball out and stuff like that. Whereas 
O'Neill's coming and they're playing eye line. And I think that's why Dawson's looking pants. And I think he'd have struggled under Larch if he'd have come in last summer because he's playing a high line. Hmm. He's gonna get he's gonna get caught out, and I think that's what's going on. The players just can't play the high line. Then how do you rectify that? Because you've you've, you've you've settled on a system and you've you've got, offensive, you've, you've got the players you've got the players that you've got now. So then do you have to change everything back. Do you have to drop back to 10, 20 yards. I mean, I will say that we, it, it's nice to create chances. I mean, it's scoring yeah, like a huge agree. amount, yeah. but it's 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 a better, it's more exciting to watch. I much prefer oh, for winning. Don't get me wrong, but um, I don't know. Is there a balance to be had somewhere? Like well, no, he's got... got to come in and be Maldini, hasn't he? He's got to be like a Maldini. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got <laughs> uncovered like, the biggest keep of all time for it to like, somehow fix itself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've essentially got to hope that he is Dawson with the pace of Adama Traore at this point. Like, yeah. it, it, it needs something. I think, you know, I think across this team and, and, and you know, I think Gary O'Neill has got to take a level of... You know, responsibility and accountability, or whatever you want to, everyone dress it up because, yeah, he, he hasn't had a lot of choice in terms of players. But I don't know. I feel like if you've got someone like Craig Gorson, even Max Kilman, to be fair, and I, I, I quite like Max Kilman, but I know you need some sort of sometimes play to your strengths. And I know this was Bruno Large's thing in his first season where he realised very quickly he couldn't do the type of football he wanted to play and sacrificed it because of the personnel he had. And, you know, I, I admire O'Neill for what he's trying to imprint on this team going forward, because we said, like, we've, we've had a couple of seasons of very little creativity going forward, and the, the signs in these first few games have been really positive, apart from, what, the Everton game, where I think just both teams just were the absolute dread of the football. Just didn't want to lose, did they? Yeah. In every other game, we've looked creative, we've looked expansive, we look like we can't just know what we're doing up front. And the thing is, it's teething troubles as well. Mm. I saw someone say on Twitter, like, you're not, we're not going to become like a ball playing old press team overnight. Oh, it's going to take time. And we've been unfortunate. We've caught up against, like, we've had one of the hardest starts in the league, which hasn't really helped our cause either. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I did see the um, the stat on Sky in terms of a strength, a strength of schedule, and Bulls have effectively had the third hardest start um, of the season over the first uh, five games, isn't it? Um, it's based on sort of the average up to power rankings of each of the teams that they've played. And I guess that does sort of put it in some perspective, and you've got, I guess, got hope if you're Gary O'Neill as the, the manager, head coach, whatever his job title is, that we've got to keep maintaining this belief because uh, part of me does get worried that we, you know, we yeah. are creating these chances, but with every miss that, that confidence is going to sort of dwindle that little bit more, a little bit more. And is, is, I don't know, Neto going to do that extra burst. Is is kind of going to make that extra run into the box because it's not come off for him as much as it's needed to. But yeah, I don't know. I've still got toxic positivity when it comes to us because you know Both I think fans yeah. and club need to hold the nerve. Yeah, that's what it boils down to. Yeah. After the November, uh, after the international break, not time, we've got like Bournemouth, Newcastle, and we've got a nice run of fixtures. And you think it's going to be painful, but just hot. Gully said it. Hold your nerve, boys. 
Yeah, yes. I, th- I think I think there's the the midfield. I think just to touch on that again, with Bellegarde now in, and he'll be the starter next to Gomez and Lamina, and then Doyle can come in for either Lamina or Gomez and do their job. Maybe the out ball with Bellegarde will be there more naturally for them, and they will be able to sit a bit more and not have to break forward as much or break as many. In the in the first half, Gomez didn't stop running. And maybe he can manage himself a bit more when he knows he's got that out ball. Because like we talked about, Nunes was brilliant, but he didn't turn up in every game. If Bellegarde plays to 70% of what he did yesterday more frequently, we have a really good out ball that's the release valve in that midfield, which means that he won't need to bust it up to, to catch up. And he, Bellegarde will be the one driving forward and Gomez can be the terrier. He doesn't need to do two jobs if we have a more consistent attacking midfielder. Yeah, hopefully, I agree, and I, I, you know, I definitely agree with that. That I think it comes down to that almost positional sense, mm. doesn't it? That if we can almost get from sitting a little bit more, um, as I, and it's not even all games. And I, 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 I completely agree with form points. I think fitness plays a part to it. I think tactics are playing a part into it. I think personnel's playing a part in it. it, it it's just one big melting pot, and. You know, hopefully, as, as you said, Josh, you know, we've got a few games until the next international break mid-October and O'Neill's got to get another period where, you know, we can maybe get another behind-closed-door friendlies because, you know, Tommy Doyle came on didn't really do an awful lot and n- not an easy way to make your debut. And I guess he's not match fit in any in any way either. And you kind of just got to say hope that, Luton's going to be the game where we put a team to a sword. The, the Luton's the big game. Is I think if we beat Luton, you'll probably say we're about where we should have been at the start. Mm. If you'd have looked before the season, you'd have gone six points from the first like six games. You'd have gone, it's probably about right and it's where we're going to be. But I think the problem is if you lose to Luton, mm. you can see like everyone's arse is going to be twitching into it. <laughs> Well, I was going to say... City at home after that as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah and, and then Villa, like it just... Mm. Like you say, you just you can see the disaster where it could unravel quickly. But I think beat Luton, it'll like two weeks of like, it'll be all right. We can just bundle through City and Villa and get the international break and regroup again. Yeah, I was going to say, interestingly, a couple of questions we had from Twitter Corner and uh, I guess looping on to... Um, Josh, as you said, how long does um, Gone have? Um, Gary O'Neill have. Uh, he's now ha- had effectively a pre-season's worth of time. Excuses stop now? Question mark. Are we still giving him? I guess how much? How much longer do you? I guess keep patient with him. We sort of thinking at what, November time or let's. I say not put a hard deadline on it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't think that works. I don't think that works mm. just because he's had six weeks. It's not six weeks training ground time, is it? It's it's six weeks having to play against all of these teams, which hopefully, barring Luton, can beat anyone on their on their day, barring Man City. It doesn't quite work. It's not as linear as that, is it? The timeline, <coughs> it, it, it doesn't work. And then we've had an international break, and some of them have gone away. Some haven't. Um, I think we we have to be patient because who else are we going to bring in? Who's banging on the door for us to bring in? Well, yeah, uh, uh, exactly. You know, it, it, if Gary O'Neill's who we could get at a moment's notice, yeah, exactly. Who are you getting at a, a moment's notice again? And yeah, yeah, I, I, I say, I, I think for me, sort of, there are still sort of promising signs there. 
I think so long as we can kind of keep up that creativity going forward, just got to sort of hope for the best, to be honest. Um, right, a few more questions though, guys. Um uh right, let's go for a nice let's go for a nice one next. So um tears to fears or status quo. Uh, not that we're here either, uh probably into a cold <laughs> wet Tuesday night in December. So he's got a preference. Tears for fears, indeed. Yeah, I'll get tears for fears as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'd I, I'd be numbing it on. I mean, I think I was tears for fears as well. Um, okay, what uh, one that I'd sort of seen knocking about on social media? I guess it, it's, it seems to be a bit more prevalent these days, particularly against your bigger clubs. Um, but from Steve Bird, uh, will you be questioning the club's position regarding rogue fans in the South Bank? Um, are stewards expected to act? Um, I guess this is um, related to uh, fans selling slash passing on their tickets and, and going to away fans in, in the home ends. Um, do you guys have any thoughts? Because I've got a couple on this and I don't know how controversial they are. So I was going to just pass it over to you and I'll just gauge whether I want to say mine out loud. It's not It's not a new thing, is it? It's always no. happened. It's uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's happened since day dot. I remember that classic, is it? Um the footage of Jota's goal against United from the South Bank end, and I'm, I'm mm. sure there's like you can see a United fan just putting his head in his hands and turning around. <laughs> it's you know, and that's like you know, someone's given up their ticket to watch Wolves and you know, quarter final of an FA Cup against United. Um, so it always happens, that's what um, I mean. Yeah, and how, how do you stop it? I mean, you, you know, it probably is easier to stop it now, you know, because you can track and trace, can't you? But um, I ain't that fussed. No, no, I'm so glad you said that. I was going to say, I don't really care so long as you're not a dick. Yeah. Like, I, well, I don't yeah. get it. It's well, just they used like... to get a kick in, didn't they? They used to get yeah. a kick in. So, do you know what I mean, yeah. if they want to take the chance to get a kick in, fair, yeah. fair play. So, so, do you remember the Man United game when we won 2 1 and we had the Doyle goal and Doyle slash Ella Kobe goal? Yes. Yeah. So, in, in, the te- in the temporary stand, because I was in the South Bank, there were two United fans that went up, got up for their goal. And made themselves known, and they got a kick in. <laughs> That's what Charlie, happened. Yeah. That's, it, yeah. That's what happened. And then they sat down for the rest of the game, and we turned it around. But that was the end of it. They all had yeah. a couple of digs, yeah. and everyone sat down and got on with it. It was that's just what happened. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done it before. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, you just got to keep, yeah. you know keep quiet, haven't you? It's say it. I, this is probably not too controversial. I don't think it's that hard not to be a dickhead at a football game. Mm. And you know, especially like they say, just understand you like they say, uh oh, may- maybe around a bunch of the fans, maybe don't go wearing colours, maybe don't che- cheer for goals. You, you know, it, it I don't know. I, I do think if you do get I, I was trying to work it as well if you do get spotted and things like that. I think if you are like wearing like a Liverpool top in the North Bank or South Bank, wherever it was, it, it's hard for stewards, don't get me wrong. They've got a tough, a tough job for you know what what they get out of it, but uh, yeah, you sort of got to act. What can you do? Yeah, like it's yeah. one of the things. Like if like, it's only because we've lost that everyone's so asked. If Finham, well, you're yeah. thinking what what a tit they look like. Finham, like, what is yeah. serious win? You know, yeah. if you, you wouldn't care that much. No, exactly, exactly. Um, right. Uh, last question uh, is from Martin, and I loved this. This is my type of questions, guys. Uh, so you sometimes hear fans say, 
I'd give my right arm to play for my club's best country. Which body parts would you sacrifice to see Wolves win an FA Cup, Premier League title, European title, etc.? Well, which one is it? Um, let, let, let's go somewhat scale here. I was going to say it's like Carabao give you my big toe. Yeah, I was going to say let's let's go slightly realistic because I I feel like really sort of down being when I say realistically we ain't going to win Premier League. Let's go FA Cup. Let's go FA Cup because you know we've at least got to the semi final living memory, so there's somewhat of a chance. So, see Wolves win the FA Cup. What are you getting rid of, guys? <laughs> what, 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 what are you putting on the table? Deal or no deal? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to work. I'll, I'll, give a, I'll give you a toe or a finger for an I'll give yeah. you both for an FA Cup. Yeah. One from either yeah, side, so I'm balanced out. I think I could cope without my little finger on my right hand. Yeah, I, reckon, I, reckon, I think I could get away with that. You go all beetle. I don't know. Yeah. I think I'll <laughs> I, I, I could probably, I don't know. I'll go toe on each foot. Oh, yeah. I've got one. Appendix? No, mine's already gone. Yeah. Well, you can't give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? And we're just one appendix short for winning. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah. oh. So there you have it. Let us know in the comments, guys. Um, if, if what body parts you do, um, what you donate. Um, we will be back, guys, um, uh, on Thursday to preview the Luton game, where hopefully things are still kind of nice and merry at the moment, because I don't think we're anywhere near toxic balls levels, and there's still a lot of positivity around the club. Uh, so hopefully we can start converting 45 minutes into 90 soon enough. But we will be back, of course, as I said, with the, with the preview show with little Dan. Um, a big thanks to everyone who's uh, watched live on YouTube, watched back on YouTube, and everyone who's listened on the pod. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure you um, give us a, a review on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you're listening on. And make sure you're following Wolves Fancast at Wolves Fancast on everywhere, to be honest. It's on all the socials. As I mentioned, even on TikTok, I probably need to actually do one at some point again. Um, but they make me feel odd when I try and do it, to be honest. So, um, but, but we learn. We learn. That's what we do. Um, but until next time, it is goodbye from Tom. See you, guys. It's goodbye from Ed. I'll give in a, my appendix for three points at Luton. <laughs> it's goodbye from Josh I'd give my big towel for three points at Luton <laughs> <laughs> and it's goodbye for me I'm not going to say what I'd give away <laughs> <laughs>